Right on. Week number four today of our miracle series. We've been in this miracle series because we just believe as a church that God's not done with signs and wonders. We believe God is a God of the miraculous. We believe that's a huge part of how he's even called us to live as Christ followers. We've been saying this for the last couple weeks. Impossible is where God starts and miracles are what he does. It's not like ideas and hopes and wishes. It's what he does. Uh, we've been saying this, that if you've ever looked at like maybe the signature of something, so Picasso has sort of a, a signature, a running theme through his art, or maybe Stan Lee with Marvel Comics sort of has this thread or this signature, this pattern uh, to his comics. You could say the signature, the thread, or the pattern of Jesus' ministry was power. It was signs and wonders. It was the miraculous. It was God's outpouring. And if we're called to be Christ followers and Christ-like, then how many know one of the patterns and symbols of our life would be that God is still moving in the miraculous in our life. He's still doing signs and wonders. He still believes to see power in our communities. We uh, have been sharing that there's this quote by Bill Johnson, and it says that God's expectation of us is to do the miraculous or to walk in the impossible. We say, well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus gives this great... um, teaching before he leaves. Now, remember, anytime you leave, you always say the most important thing last. So you got a house sitter or a babysitter, and they're coming over, and you're saying, yeah, this is here, and that's there. And that. But before you leave, you say, all right, now before I leave, just remember, and you say the most important thing. So Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's getting ready to leave, and he's saying, like, one of, everything else is really important, but he says this thing at the end. He says, listen, I have to go to my Father, but it's to your benefit. I'm sending you power, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's going to be to your benefit. But then he says this, why? Because you're going to do even greater things than I've done, which is pray for the sick and see them recover. See blind eyes open, deaf hear, lame walk. Are you with me? And so he's saying, it's not that you have to do this and you have this obligation. No, we get to do this by the power of God. And I believe the earth is just desiring to see true moves of God. I wish churches would stop describing what God is going to do and start demonstrating what God wants to do. We got all these classes to talk about this thing and that thing and all these theological and doctrinal. And all we do is talk about what God is going to do. God's ready to show the world what he's going to do. And I believe that he is. We got so many demonstrations going on in our world. I'm ready for some demonstrations of the power of God. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God still wants to do it. When we worship these songs about pour it out and God a revival and dead men come out of the grave. I believe that these are true for today. So this week in week four, we're going to talk about one of the miracles of God that he wants us to still walk in is this miracle of restoration. God wants to restore you. God wants to restore your body. God wants to restore your mind. God wants to restore you from the pain of your past. The scripture says that he came and he died and he died for our sins. And he also died that we might be healed. And we think physical body. But he also wants to be a restorer, a person who gets back what was lost. So the work of the cross is a message of heaven, and it is a message of sins forgiven. But it's also a message of taking back that which was out of order. And so the cross comes in and says, oh, the enemy tried to steal this. I'm taking it back. And he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And now we walk in this victory of the power to be able to take things back. It's funny, in our real life, we understand this concept of protecting things. You know, we, we have cameras and we have security cameras and we put locks on our doors and, um, you know, some of us have guns. You know, if you're smart like me, you keep your Glock on your crock in the summer. <laughs> you know, that little thing on the back, it's not to hold your heel, it's to hold your Glock. And so we have all these ways that we protect things. You guys think I'm kidding. 
But we got all these ways that we try to secure things that might get lost. I know we're not supposed to have fun in church. We're not supposed to sing loud. We're not supposed to do all these. All right, all right, all right. But we have all of these security measures. We have all of these things in our natural life to guard against unauthorized intrusion. We have all these guard and all these things to guard against unauthorized intrusion. We are working to disable somebody from taking what they do not have the right to take. And I'm here to just tell you this morning, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing by Christ. Meaning you, you have everything that you need. What I'm here trying to say is through Christ, you already have joy. You already have peace. You already have the ability to live in unity. You already have the ability to be absent of fear and depression and anxiety. You already have the ability to be healed. Are you with me today? So when the enemy tries to come and steal, you have the authorization to take it back. Because through Christ, it's already yours. And so we get to guard against it. The scripture says that the devil is like a thief looking to whom he may devour and what he can steal and what he can take. He's looking for that open door of bitterness and unforgiveness. He's looking for those open doors that he can come in and steal that unlocked window. He's looking. And so we get this picture in 1 Samuel that we see through the life of David of what do we do as Christ followers when something gets stolen from us? My mentor, who I would travel with, and he was kind of bringing me up in ministry and teaching me things, he would say this awesome thought for me, is he would say the beautiful thing about scripture is one, it's an incredible story, which is inspiring. The other thing that's cool about the story is that it inspires thoughts. So you read a truth in the scripture and wow, that's a great story. Oh, and that inspires me to a thought. But then on top of that, what we have to remember and we have to hold on to is everything in scripture is a truth that you get to walk in and live in. So if God did it for David, God will do it for you. Are you understand what I'm saying? So when we hear this story today, it's not to be like, wow, God did that for David. No, God wants to do it for us. These are patterns and examples of things God wants to see happen in our life. So we see this story, 1 Samuel chapter 30. We won't turn there for time's sake, but I just want to set up and kind of read you through the story. Story's talking about how David comes back to Ziglag. It's his hometown. It's his village. Basically, in his time, they would have their own subdivision. So David comes back with his men, and they come over the mountain, and they see the scripture says that Ziglag was raided, it was ripped off, and it was completely burned down. So his family, the funny thing about this scripture is his wives, plural, <laughs> that's another teaching another day, but his wives, his kids, his sons, daughters, Everything. The scripture says in the Hebrew that even the small things and the big things were taken from him. Everything was taken from them. I'm talking they took the dog, they took his truck. It was bad. Like, you can have my wife, my kids. You can't take my dog and my truck. You know, like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, honey. That's a lie. I'm kidding. I don't know what I would do. Uh, and so he's saying, now you're getting in trouble. You're laughing more and it's going to get it worse for me. Anybody want to hang out tonight? I'm going to have time. <laughs> side note, side note. Part of the reason they were able to come in and conquer is because the men forfeited their place in the home. The men were away. The men abandoned their place that God needed them to be with their family. So the enemy can come in and steal when men aren't who they're supposed to be in their home. When men are off playing with that and doing this and making excuses for this, it opens the door for the enemy. But that's another teaching you'll get on Father's Day. <laughs> Small things and big things. I'm here to tell you today, God has the power to restore small things, big things, everything. 
I don't know how it's going to work. It doesn't, it's not your job to figure out how it's going to work. God is the God who wants you to understand through the power of Christ. He's going to restore small things, big things, everything. Visible things and invisible things. There's things that God's going to bring back to you that the enemy tried to steal that you didn't even know. Invisible and visible things. I'm just here to tell you today, wounded things God wants to restore to you. Desired things, broken things, abandoned things. I'm here to believe prodigal things are coming back. Disappointed things, everything he wants to restore back and bring back and recover. Uh, I thought about it like this. I shared this illustration a couple weeks ago. I get so frustrated with wimpy Christians, right? Just these wimpy Christians. And it's like anytime we get called into the opportunity to believe God and be faith-filled and believe for him to be the God of the miraculous, that's when Christians bail. It's like the moment we're called to be what we actually said we're going to be is the moment we freak out and, and get out. We get to the Red Sea moments. Oh, no. We get to the, hey, it's time to get out of the boat and walk on water. No, I don't see a way. And we back out. I said it's kind of like that cartoon where everything's, and I don't know what it is, Tom and Jerry, whatever, they face each other. And then, and then there's two facing each other. And then the one bad one just goes like, boo. And the other cartoon's like, pew, just takes off so scared. And all they said was like, boo. I'm telling you, the enemy comes in and he just whispers to Christians like, boo. Ah. And we just, we're out. And I'm so sick of the wimpy. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. And so it's time that we, we, we stop saying, hey, I'm not going to let the enemy steal from me. Yeah. That's not yours. I'm going to take it back. Amen. Well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> I guess if he wants it, maybe that can. And listen, there's times for that, okay? I'm not, and I understand that there's moments of that. And I'm not trying to, I know we've all been in those moments. But I just think it's a huge disservice when our response is like, whatever the enemy wants to do. And we say it's whatever the Lord wants to do. Well, God wants us to fight and go and take back. That's why he died on the cross. Are you with me? I'm going to misquote this, but I'm going to try anyway. I, again, I think it's Bill Johnson who said, is, uh, is, it, is the way that you're living worth what Jesus died for? Like all the power, all of the things that he provided is, is the level of faith that we're putting out there. Is it, does it line up with the sacrifice that was made through Christ? We got to stop being so, well, maybe someday when COVID's over, I'll believe God will help me take back. How about now? How about now? God's like not in quarantine. He still wants to move now. Well, you know, we furloughed God through COVID, so we'll get him. I wish we could be a little bit more like my kids. Uh, I have a, I don't know their names anymore because I'm old. Or I know their names. I don't know their ages. Hey, friends, please. We need to get a third, we need to get a new, we need to get a building. Does anyone have a building? Raise your hand. I'm just trying to tell you, I can't do three services. And you keep filling up all these rooms and people in additional seating. I'm just telling you, I can't do three. I'm going to either say stuff that puts me in jail, or I'm going to slip up and cuss a little, or I'm going to, but my kids, okay, they're some kind of age, but I know one of them's two and a half and she's terrible. She's like a little terrorist, and she's so cute and so sweet, but it's all on the outside. Because on the inside, she's not that. And uh, one thing that she does, you guys know I'm kidding. Chill out. But, uh, but one thing she does is she terrorizes her older brother and sister, and, and you can just hear it coming. What she likes to do is she likes to go steal their stuff. And so Charlie, my son, he's five, I think, and he loves Legos, and he's always playing with his Legos, but you can hear Callie coming. And so she's coming in there, and then you hear her steal them, and then she likes to run off. I know all your kids did this, too. And you just hear Charlie yell, Callie, don't take my Legos! You know, it's like, and then she, he goes beelining, and then you just hear her take off running. 
I wish Christians were a little bit more like that. When the enemy comes in, it's not like, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. No, 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 no. How about, devil, don't take my stuff. You don't get this stuff. Are you with me? That's my peace. That's my blessing. I almost said prosperity, but then everybody gets weird when you say prosperity. But it's my blessing. It's my peace. It's my joy. God has that for us. Let's quit giving it back. Let's quit saying, well, you know, I'm hurt right now. And, well, I'm in a season. And, well, I'm going to. No, no, no. God's saying, come on, go get your stuff back. I noticed this in the story. It said that uh, no one was killed. You know, the enemy didn't kill anybody. They just took them hostage. And so I want you to know some of the stuff that's been stolen from you that you think is dead is actually not dead. It's just being held hostage. It's time for you to get it back. It's lost but not dead. It's bound but not dead. It may be behind bars, but it's not dead. And God's saying, go get it. Scripture said, when David saw the ruins, he wept until he couldn't weep anymore. For some of you, that's where you are. You're out of crying. I've cried until I've cried. Maybe 2020 for you is just a year that you're like, I can't see the divide anymore. I can't look at the disunity. I can't look at the pain. And and you've you've just run out of it all. But what I love about this is the place that David wept was he didn't weep in a way that said, oh, it's all over and we're defeated and there's no way. He wept knowing that even in my weeping, I have a belief that all things will work together for good. This is painful and this hurts and this doesn't look good. But even in this, I know God will help me recover. What I love about the scriptures is it says that though weeping may be for the night, joy comes in the morning. If you found yourself in a season where God's, where the enemy stole from you and you may have lost and it's brought you to a place of crying till you can't cry anymore, there's a promise in Scripture that says, get ready, you have a guarantee your joy is on the way. Amen. That's just not preacher speak. I want you to understand that your crying has a limit. Your weeping has an expiration date. Yeah. I don't care about the pain and the hurt and the thing that it caused you. Why? Because there's a guarantee on the other side. Don't cling to that old thing. That's why we just worshiped what we worshiped, and we'll do it again where it says, there are days I have seen filled with heartache and loss. We can all relate. That have buried my heart beneath the weight. But every time his praise breaks out, dead things come up from the ground because he's the God of miracles and resurrection. Why? Because our tears can turn to joy. My prayer for you is that you understand today that for every tear you've cried, God's got a shot of joy for you. Every tear you cried, God's got a shot of joy for you. Psalm 56, 8 says it like this. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle, in a bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Why would he keep such track of that? Why? Because the promise is for every tear, you get joy. He's got a record of all the joy on the way to you. And so let's go get it back. David is incredible. He's this giant killer. Of course, this big uh, worship leader that we see wrote all these psalms. He's, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time, David, uh, in this time. He defines Israel. To this day, the star of David is on the flag that flies in Jerusalem. Why? Because he's this great man. What makes him such a great man? Because of the battles he won? Because of the victories? No, his strength comes from an important place that I want you to see today. Verse 6 in this story says, when all this is going down, what does David turn to? It says he found his strength in God. David was a man who knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. So instead of saying, hey, let's go get this and let's go do this, instead of complaining and blaming, oh, how am I going to respond to this? Let's complain. Let's blame. Instead of saying, oh, man, I need a vacation. Oh, I need a drink. He said, oh, I need God to strengthen me in this moment. I need to depend on God's strength here. 
He didn't sports binge. He didn't go on blogs and start reading about how everybody else is walking through it. He's walking through and getting a misery party. No, he said, my strength comes from the Lord. Verse 7, he does this incredible example of that. He says, bring me my ephod. Get me the ephod. Now, the ephod was a gar- an ephod was a garment that a high priest would put on when they were getting ready to basically access heaven, right? To worship and to pray and get direction from the Lord. So he sees everything burned and in ruin. And instead of complaining and murmuring, he says, my strength comes from the Lord. Get me the ephod. Get me that ephod. I'm going to God about this situation. Translation, it's this. Oh, oh, look what they did. Oh, look at this. Call the boss. My strength comes from, call the boss. I know you guys don't watch bad movies like me, but Godfather, you got to picture this like Godfather, some type of crime show where he's like, call the boss. Look what they did here. Call the boss. And I'm just here to tell you today, look, if you've cried enough, God's getting ready to give you your orders. He said, we've got to get our orders on this. He goes to God. You've cried enough. Call the boss. You've seen enough. Call the boss. They took it all. Call the boss. Was the report death? Call the boss. Oh, our nation will never follow God again. We'll never be united. We'll never see a great move of God in America. Uh, Get the ephod. Call God. That's where our strength comes from. The devil said, I'm damaged goods. I'll never be able to be used in the kingdom. I'm not going to listen to all the words of the enemy. No, 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 no. Your strength comes from the Lord. Get the ephod. See what the boss says about your life. That's why we say in this song that we're going to sing again, there's a sling in my voice and a stone in my praise. Dead men come out of the grave when we praise. Why? Because it's us saying, call the boss. What's the boss say about this? Put this ephod on. It's where my strength comes from. The God who saw him through the lion, the bear, and the Goliath, he knew where his strength came from. Notice he didn't say, get the horses, go get the swords, go get the crock with the glock. He said, get me my ephod. Get me my ephod because my strength comes from the Lord. I love this. He says to God, God, do you want me to go after these devils who've ripped me off? Do you want me to go after this? And really, it's a leading prayer. It's one of those prayers that's like, God, you want me to go get it, right? Like, you want me to go get it? He's like, God, do you want? And he, God answers him, pursue. You will recover it all. There's no greater sound than what's in your heart matches the heart of God. That's why we got to go to God. That's why we got to get the ephod. That's why the scripture says when we pray according to his will, when we call the boss, and his will matches what God has called us to do here on earth. God moves and we pursue and we recover it all. Can I get an amen? Yeah. But here's the key with David. Before he ever chased his physical enemy, he chased God privately. Amen. The scripture says in Psalms that he got to a point in his life where he said, God, you could take everything from me, but don't take my present, your presence from me. Don't take my ability to worship you and be with you and speak to you and dwell with you. You can have everything else, but don't remove yourself from me. Why? Because he understood the power of, of private relation with the Lord, this, this place of God's presence. And so he says, just like what we sing, because there's resurrection power when we sing the name of Jesus. There's power in singing the name of Jesus. You could say this scripture is just what they said. We chase or we seek the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. How do you take it back? How do you get it added to you? Just like David, we seek God first and everything else gets added to us. That's why your prayer and fasting. And that's why we do all the things that we do. Why? Because it's saying, God, I want to be a place to get the ephod, call the boss. What are we supposed to do? And everything gets added to us. Before you run after the robber, you have to seek the redeemer. Before you stand up and fight, you have to kneel down and pray. Before you put Satan behind you, you have to trust the God inside you. 
When you are inviting people to come in for uh, the service next week, where we're believing people are going to be healed and we're going to see miracles and, and, and people's lives are going to be forever changed. How do we do that? It's because we spent time with the Lord and we trust the God inside of us. That's his desire. Push back darkness. To push back darkness, you have to spend time with the light of the world. Yeah. So he says, surely you will recover it all. And then he says this, now get up and go. Because it takes movement. Yeah. This is where the church misses it. We're real good at surveying the situation. We're even actually really good at going to God and singing worship and reading our study and doing our thing. But if that's as far as we ever take it, we'll never get anywhere. Right. You have to at some point take all of those things into a position of getting up and going getting up and doing something about it. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk in Bible classes, in Sunday school, but it's a matter of, it's power. Amen. It's action. It's getting up and being a people who go. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So the scripture says that uh, the people who stole from him, uh, they had stolen from other villages along the way. So they made a great haul. And when they get to their spot, they're dancing, singing, eating, drinking. They're having this great big party with all of the stuff that they've stole. And I'm telling you, we're living in a time and an era where the enemy, even right now, is throwing parties. Look at all that we've taken. Look at all of the lives of the unborn. Look at how we're winning. Look at how we've divided this. Look at how we've done this. And they think that they've won. But can I tell you? There is a church that's rising up and they've put on an ephod and they've got their direction and they got their Glock on their crock and they're coming. Can I get an amen? So the scripture says that not only did they take back all that was theirs and the scripture says they got everything, nothing missing, nothing lacking. They got everything and then some. Why? Because the scripture says that whenever the enemy tries to steal, we get back seven times. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Anytime the enemy tries to steal from you, the recovery is so much greater. If you've been stolen from, you should be excited because you have a great payback on your way. More than what they took. I'll have the band come up and I'll close with this. This is God's desire for how he wants to recover for you. Deuteronomy 28.2. And they're going to get in position, but I don't miss the scripture, so, so stay, stay with me. Deuteronomy 28.2 says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you responded in, get the ephod, call the boss. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to, I'm going to speak your name. I'm going to put my trust in you. The scripture actually means it like this. When it says those blessings will overtake you, it literally is the picture of something tackling you. How many are ready for God's blessing to come and tackle you? Well, how do we do that? We speak the name which we're about to worship. Right here in this moment when we sing, we're not doing it so we can sing another song. No, when we're worshiping right now and we're saying these names and we're using the authority that Jesus gave in his name, we're speaking and we're, this, we're putting on our ephod. I love this. Mark chapter 16, 17 says, and all these signs will follow those who believe. What are, what are these signs? Signs and wonders, the miraculous. All these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, you will cast out demons. You will speak with new tongues. You will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will hear this word recover. What is recover? It's take back. We're recovering this back. We're on a recovery mission. What's next week? Our miracle healing services. We're on a recovery mission. Why? Because the scripture said those signs will follow those who believe. 
So let's put on our ephod. Let's use the name of Jesus. Let's, let's walk in the authority that he's done for us. Why? Because it's Jesus' desire. So here's these lyrics. Again, there's a sling in my voice and a stone in my praise. Because where there's resurrection power when we sing the name of Jesus, resurrection power when we raise a mighty sound. So come on, let the praise get loud. That's what we're going to do. We're going to call the boss right now. And we're going to say, God, we're using our name. We're going to believe. So right now when you worship, I want you to think about what is that dead thing that needs to come out of the grave? What is that thing that was stolen from you that we're going to call back? Who's the prodigal? What's the addiction that needs to be broken? Why are we going to do that? Because there's power in his name. Can I get an amen? Would you please stand? There's a sling in my voice and a stone in my praise Pushing back when the darkest weapons fall There's a power on my lips even death can't defy When the name of our God is lifted high there is resurrection power when we sing the name of Jesus. Resurrection power when we raise a mighty sound. Come on, let the praise get loud. Make that empty grave resound. There is resurrection power in his name. Amen. There are days I have seen with heartache and loss they have buried my heart beneath their weight come on but every time his praise breaks out dead things rise up from the crowd i want to leave my song beside that empty grave because there is resurrection power when we sing the name of resurrection power when we raise a mighty sound so come on let the praise get loud make that empty crave resound and there is resurrection power in his name yes yeah, in his name come on put your hands together we're taking it back we're declaring so dead man come out of that come out of that when we see captives let go of those chains let go of those chains when we come on you sing dead Yeah. 
Let go of those chains in the name of Jesus, dead man. Come out of that grave. Come out of that grave. Where we say. That's the good stuff right there. I feel like it's youth camp, you know, worshiping on a, like, I hope the snack shack's still open after this. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Hey, let's pray before we take off. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we give you thanks in advance for what you're going to do next week. God, our expectation is for signs and wonders and the miraculous. God, we pray that you you just lead us to encounter people this week that we can invite, that we can bring in. God, we just pray that we bump into people everywhere, Lord, that need a miracle so that we can bring them to your house, Lord. So like Brandon said, this is a place of prayer. This is a place of authentic worship and signs and wonders. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.